Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special programme here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Uh, we're looking back at the 2018 motor racing season and in this particular programme we're looking at IndyCar and I'm delighted to say it's not just me that's doing this because otherwise it'd be a very short programme. Uh, we have uh, on the line from America uh, two guests. Uh, first of all, Jeremy Shaw, uh, my colleague from IMSA Radio who has followed uh, IndyCar. In fact, he was one of my, you were one of my conduits into IndyCar racing. Jeremy, welcome along to the show. You display my age here, aren't you? Yes, thank you, John. Great I, to be here. I got to it late, Jeremy. I got to it late. <laughs> 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 it, I, I, I was just thinking there bef- before we started this. It's been quite a long time, actually, since the IndyCar season finished. Once again, they've had this this rather compressed season which they believe works for them on a television point of view but it does mean that when we get to the end of of most other motor racing seasons you've really got to work quite hard to remember what happened yeah very true yeah it's been more than two months hasn't it since uh since the the finishing race at sonoma it's uh, incredible how much water has passed underneath the bridge since then it's an interesting way of doing it, but uh, you say it works for them. Uh, other guest this evening is another one of my IMSA Radio colleagues, and that is Cher Adam. Hello, Cher. Hello, John. Uh, Cher has been watching the IndyCar series um, probably since she was a, a child. Ever since I was a small girl. Yes, ever since you were a small girl. Um, a lot went on this year. Some good, some not so good, and we'll try and crack through most of it. Uh, we'll we'll base ourselves on on the races in the year and the championship table. There were forty one drivers, believe it or not, who scored championship points this year. Now, seven of those, in fairness, uh, only scored points at the uh, the, the Indy five hundred. But if we look at the the bottom part of of that table, it's people like James Davison, Sage Caram, Jay Howard, Danica Patrick, of course, signing off from her uh, IndyCar career. Um, at the other end was Colton Hurtner, starting his uh, career at the final round of the season. Uh, Alfonso Cella scored some points, Oriel Servia at, at uh, the Indy 500, also uh, Stefan Wilson and J.R. Hildebrand scoring some points. Not a full season for Elio Castro, Nevis or uh, Patricio or Ward either. Again, he jumped in at the last part of the season. Uh, let, let's take some of the people who, uh, or the one person there who we are saying goodbye to, first of all. Danica Patrick, Jeremy, how do we, how do we uh, assess Danica's time uh, in IndyCar? I came back for the, the 500, as I say, um, and... Uh, where do we put her in in, in the IndyCar history? Um, as a fairly substantial footnote, I suppose. I mean, you know, in terms of uh, overall results, 
nothing particularly special, but she was definitely a groundbreaker. She was a heck of a driver. Sure. I mean, that was apparent from when she first started out in the sport. So I'm not going to take anything away from her at all. She's, she's always had a critic, critics, uh, and that kind of comes with the territory, unfortunately. But uh, no, I've got a huge amount of respect for Danica. And she, uh, there's no question she opened up the sport to a, a whole new group of fans in the same sort of way, but, but entirely different. People like Nigel Mansell and, and Emerson Fittipaldi and, and others through the eras of the sport. So she's been, you know, she's been a, a godsend for the sport in many, many ways. The IRL when that was around, uh, and you know, she hasn't had the results that perhaps she might have had at the end of the day. And then she went away and spent many years in, in NASCAR. Uh, again, the results there were even more, di- well, a lot more disappointing, quite frankly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, you know, was she given a fair crack of whip? Very arguable. But she's certainly been a, a great. Uh, uh, ambassador in some ways for the sport and uh, and shame she's you know she's signing off so early quite frankly she's still pretty young yeah indeed Shea Adam uh, you know a young female watching motorsport because of your family connections uh, what sort of impression did Danica Patrick make on you uh, it was always the green car and I was always uh, brought to cheer for Scottish drivers so Dario was the one <laughs> I was cheering for in this household um, but Danica, definitely, you look through the paddock and you still can see a lot of reminiscence of people cheering for her. A lot of women in the sport wearing her T-shirts, her hats, yeah. and a lot of women ask about her in the paddock. So she definitely made a mark outside of people who maybe sit there and watch every single lap of every race. It gave a lot of the people who normally would just sort of have it on in the background a reason to watch. So for sure, Danica calling it in as her career is and, and looking to elaborate on other interests in her life. I know yoga is something she's really big into and fitness and, and eating properly. So she's just stepping away from something that she's done for most of her life. And quite frankly, she's made a good impact in it. And, you know, she, she doesn't leave a champion necessarily of racing, but she is more memorable than a lot of champions that we have had. Well, I mean, certainly she was looked after by um, IMG uh, and that global concern for PR did a, a very good job. Interestingly, not IMG Sport. She was looked after by IMG Models, uh, who pushed her in a different direction, which we could debate that for a, a very long time. Indeed. No, um, I think that's a very good point, John, actually. And and, and, and I think, I, I mean, I think she could have made a lot more of her career, quite frankly, than she did. I think she, you know, the, the pressure around her, though, was immense mm. uh, and much more so than anyone else, kind of her age or, or, or the, or who'd come up through the sport in a similar sort of a way. And uh, did she handle that the best? No, probably not with the benefit of hindsight. And something something inside of me says, I wish she'd kind of come back now, perhaps, with a more open mind and a more conciliatory tone perhaps I, you know i i don't i'm not looking to criticize danica in any single way at all she's been great for the sport and and like i say i think she should she could have achieved perhaps more than she has done yeah i i mean she did a bit of sports cars as well including a patilla mom one year uh, for ferrari and i i find found her very suspicious of of the press and then when you think about what she'd been through i can kind of understand why and we had to have a little word with her representation to say, you know, honestly, 
we're not here to trip her up. And, and honestly, that was like flicking a switch. She was a different person, really got on very well with her. And she did good work there, both behind the wheel uh, and and out of the car uh, as well. I think you're right, Jeremy. I, I'd love to say I come back and do some more racing. I think sports cars could do a lot worse than, than have her involved in some way, shape or form. Let's, let's be honest. Um, sports cars has been a bro- much broader church for motorsport uh, share in the past and, and in the present. And, that there's something that says to me that I just want to see Danica come back and, and win some stuff and prove what a good driver it is because I remember I come in second at the Formula Ford Festival to I think a teammate uh, which might have been Anthony Davidson in that year um, she can drive a motor car there's no doubt about that and she for sure can she will forever be the woman who led laps of the Daytona 500 and put the car mm. on pole let's not forget so she's got a wide variety of experience the question just lies is she done with racing altogether? Yes. Which is what she's saying now. And if she decides maybe in a year or two's time that the right foot's getting a little bit itchy and she needs to put it <laughs> flat to the floor, Sports Car Paddock would be very fortunate to have her. I want to talk about a couple of drivers at the other end of their careers here, Jeremy. At the, at the season finale in California at Sonoma, uh, Colton Herter. Uh, jumped into a car, I did, as did P- Patricio or Ward, and actually both did rather well. Uh, these are names that we're going to be looking forward to seeing and talking about in the future, surely? No question about it. Patricio was stunning. I mean, absolutely stunning. He qualified. He, he was in a fast zone, fast six. It wasn't his first time out of the box. Uh, and he'd only done one brief test before. And I mean, stunning was his performance. And what was really interesting about, it, about him during a race was... Uh, the race was the first time he'd had a chance to run on the on the uh, the alternate tyres, uh, the red red sidewall tyres for any period of time, and uh, not surprisingly, he took a bit too much out of them early in the race. Yeah. Was struggling, was on the radio saying, "Hey, uh, this isn't working for me." And the the team, arguably, you know whether it's the right decision or not, they, they said, "Just stay out there for a few more laps, get the laps, get these under your belt, and then and then we'll go on from there." Um, that caused him to slip a long way back down the order. But the way he fought back from there, just just was incredible. It just shows you what a talent he is. And it was first, it was apparent again, first time I met the guy. He came over to the Chris Griffiths Memorial uh, Road to Indy test in Indianapolis mm-hmm. when he was fifteen. He'd been racing in. Uh, in France, actually, in the French, what is now the French F4 Championship. And he'd done a sort of partial season there and had done well. And he came over to, to Indianapolis. He drove a pro Mazda car, actually, first time. Uh, he didn't bother. He'd, he'd done a little bit of F2000 on the West Coast, to be fair. He'd done a few bits and pieces here and there. But when I first met him in Indianapolis, I was blown away. For yeah. 15 years old, I thought, crikey, this kid <laughs> is impressive. I mean, he was so mature for his age. Uh, and uh, and clearly he could drive, and I thought, wow, this is a talent. I wish he'd actually started off and you know, gone up the whole ladder, done USF first, yeah. uh, because I just think drivers that they they they, uh, they develop uh, you know, their own pace. He was clearly mature for his age, yes. so he elected to go straight into Pro Master. Did a couple of years of that, and uh, and you know, and uh, but he, he kind of went in and out again because you know he was out for that year of, of open wheel racing, went off to sports cars, and as we saw him in the IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship, and he was incredible, uh, unbeaten in terms of fastest laps uh, in PC that year. Okay, the competition wasn't great, but but uh, he certainly. You know, the kid is impressive, and he showed when he got to IndyCar what he's made of. We're going to be hearing a lot of him in the years to come. 
And what about Colton Hurt this year? Uh, you saw him racing with his dad at the California Eight Hours in a, a very different car, in a Hyundai uh, TCR i30N. Um, but I mean, I felt a bit sorry for him in some ways at Sonoma because if he'd been if he'd been the only new boy there, everybody would have looked at what he did and said, "Yeah, all right, he did a pretty good job." We did do a pretty good job, but he was he was unfortunately rather outperformed by Patricio. Well, and it's going to make for a very interesting dynamic in 2019 because, of course, the two of them being teammates for Harding Andretti, it's going to really force Colton to step up or step out. And we've seen him in the paddock pretty much all year as the backup driver, if you will, for Team uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan with the BMW M8. And that is the most massive GTLM car. Well, Colton's not the biggest guy in the world, so that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But if we hadn't had Patricio there to show us what a rookie could do at Sonoma, yeah, we would have been talking about Colton Herta because even the race, even though it didn't entirely pan out his way, he still put in some impressive performances. So seeing how the two of them fight each other, and then, of course, the other two big rookies coming into next year's season with uh, Felix Rosenquist for Canassi and then Marcus Erickson for SPM, Mm. that's some pretty big competition to go and fight against. Can Colton do it? I think he can. What I liked about this... Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah. No, just just to add to that, it's going to be the best uh, season for rookies, best rookie championship we've seen for many, many years. Shade's absolutely right. Uh, and I like the fact that we, uh, in 2018, Jeremy, had a lot of young talent uh, coming in. You know, talk about Colton and uh, uh, and Patricio there. But, you know, Kyle Kaiser did a part of a season there. He's still only, what, 22 years old. Um, how Connor Daly can't still get a drive. I mean, he's not quite that young, but he's still young. American talent. Uh, we had a bit of Santino Ferrucci during the year. Pietro Fittipaldi obviously uh, started, uh, had a race early in the season and then came back after his, after his sports car accident. Um, the future looks bright for IndyCar for, for young talent, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, I think it's a shame that uh, some of these, particularly people like Matthias Leist, should, in my opinion, have stayed longer in yes. Indy Lights to give himself a, a better introduction to IndyCar. He'd had one year of racing in North America. That's it. The guy's got a lot of talent. I was completely buried this year. Uh, mm. I don't think it was a good decision by him at all to move mm. on. Uh, it was a, it was it was apparent from the start and I mean there was there were flashes of inspiration here and there don't get me wrong but I think he would have been much better off doing another year or even two in Indy Lights to prepare himself properly for the top level then he would have come in and made a noise right away and stayed making a noise uh Ferrucci, Fittipaldi, or Fittipaldi is going to do F1 next year, apparently mm. as a test driver. He's not going to go do any car. Ferrucci is going to be over here because he does, he's slammed all the doors shut in North America. <laughs> he's another guy, though, who I would like to see do Indy Lights first. You know, th- what's the point in throwing yourself in against all these people who we're going to be talking about shortly at the front end of the field right away? You don't know the tracks. You don't know Good how point. the series are run over here. You don't know anything. You're not giving yourself a fair crack. And, um, you know, he's got the money behind him, fine, you know, that someone's going to pay for it and he's going to be okay. I'm sure he'll be fast. But I just think, I just wish these guys, particularly the talented guys, and he might well be talented. He hasn't really shown anything in the junior formerly uh, exceptional, but he might well be talented. Uh, but, you know, he's not giving himself a fair chance to show, to show what he can do yet. And now he's going to you know, go in the big time and we'll see. But, um yeah, there are opportunities for young drivers, um, and but I, I like what IndyCar has done 
for 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 this coming season is saying, look, yes. if you're going to go, if you're going to do go IndyCar, you've got to do Indy Lights first. Yes, uh, I like that. I think it's a really mm-hmm. good move, and it's much better for the drivers in the long run. Yeah, and that that's a big change of direction, Shea. But as Jeremy said, we talked about it during the year on Midweek Motorsport on RS1 on the Radio Show Limited network of channels, that that was a, that was a big change of direction. But it, I, I felt there was a statement of intent by IndyCar that, you know, Jeremy's been very vocal about this for a long time, and, and I don't disagree with him at all. And I, I thought clearly other people have been having a word in in IndyCar's ear. I, I thought that was an interesting change of direction for IndyCar to say, right, come on, we've got this second We've got this second level. It's there for a reason. Well, and, and I completely agree with what Jeremy's saying that, you know, if you've got the money to pay for it, sure, you can go race wherever you want. But don't you want to be contending for a championship instead of yeah. maybe fighting for 11th? It just makes a lot more sense for people to have to come up through the ladder. You learn race control. You learn the tracks. Yeah. You learn how the paddock feels even, where you want to be, instead of just diving into a team that says, sure, give us a couple million dollars and you can have this extra seat. If you spend time, even in one of the latter series, you figure out what seats you do and don't want to be in. So telling people to go and run Indy Lights first, prove themselves there, then when they step up and make a splash, it's even more impressive because they've already done it on another level. Yeah, totally agree. Look what the FIA has done. The FIA, they have the super license program. Yep. Uh, yeah. Is, does that work perfectly? No, no. probably not. But uh, it does weed out a lot of the chaff along the way. And it, and it does mean that the teams that are making their living running drivers in, in the feeder categories in, in European GP3, as it was now, F3 for next year, and F2, uh, you know, they, they have a proper conduit of drivers coming through there and on up to the top level. And IndyCar finally has realised they need to do the same thing over here. Uh, it's definitely the right step in the right direction. Um, it should benefit Indy Lights. I hope it will, mm. uh, because the IndyCar is a, a great option now for drivers to make a proper career in this sport and actually have a chance of achieving anything rather than trying to, you know, do, finish the best of seventh place which is what they're going to do in formula one yeah so you know if if you're properly prepared if you get with basically any of the teams in indycar you could be running up front right away if you're ready for it and that's what i think this new rule by indycar is going to give drivers an opportunity to do down the road uh, uh, um, before we move on to talking about the races uh, remind everyone you're listening to a radio show limited special on the verizon indycar series but we should mention the Indy Lights series at all, as well. And Jeremy, it wasn't a huge field, but my goodness, we had some great racing, but absolutely dominated uh, by Patricio O'Ward, who was outstanding, proved when he jumped into the Indy car at the end of the season just how much talent he got. Aaron Tellitz, uh, Santi Aruti, Colton Herter, Victor Franzoni, uh, all in there, and at times shone, but really, I mean, that was a perfect example, was it not, of the Cooper Tires Indy Lights season uh, proving what it should be doing as the feeder series? Yes. Uh, yeah, there are only seven cars at the most of the races, but every one of those guys was on the podium at mm. uh, one stage or another, actually more than once, uh, and, and not just by fluke either. I mean, you know, they all deserved it. It was a very strong field of cars. It's a shame there weren't more in there, but look, it only takes two cars to make a race. In this year in Indy Lights, they had seven, uh, and <laughs> they are all talented. Any of those top, well, at least six, uh, and that's not being, I don't want to be 
to kind there, uh, unkind there, but any of those top six uh, has the potential to make a great career for themselves in IndyCar down the road. And, you know, Patricia and Colton Hoyota are, are exceptional, as is Santi Arrutia. Santi, he, he's a mercurial sort of a talent, but he is a talent, and I hope he has an opportunity to come back uh, and, and, and or hopefully get into the IndyCar some some stage because he's another guy with a great amount of great following in South America and uh, he's just a little bit unlucky to come to come across the buzzsaw that was Giulio <laughs> and Colt this year that's a very good way of describing it Jeremy it certainly is let's run through very it was quick. a great year delights no really I enjoyed right ev- every race I watched and most of them I watched was when I was in the US um, because we don't get great coverage here in the UK. So many of them I watched live and uh, it was great. I enjoyed every single... I mean, even at Indy, uh, when there was only, I think, maybe nine or ten cars, but that was a race I could... I was nearly late for work because I was sitting watching that all the way through. So, no, it it did its job and it's clearly produced some very, very good talent indeed and more power to the the IndyCar Series elbow for for the uh, for the change in direction there and, and having a look at that as a proper feeder series. What I want to do now It is good and you can and you can you can actually what you can actually watch all those races. They are all live on, on Maz on the on the Mazda Road to Indy Apple Correct. or Mazda Road to Indy T V so they are you can watch them. Yeah, very good. Uh, what I want to do now is quickly run through the races. Before we, we look at the, the major players, they'll become obvious uh, during uh, our rundown uh, here. Um, but we'll uh, I have because of so many drives of scored points, we simply can't uh, talk about everybody. But let's look at the highlights uh, of, of twenty-five different lap leaders this year, which is fairly remarkable. Really? Oh, wow. Jeremy! See, Jeremy, as ever, has done his work. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> let's start at the very start of the season. Uh, St. Pete's one of my favourite. Uh, well, I was going to say straight tracks. It's not a typical straight track. It's a great circuit. I love it. Um, but before the season started, Jeremy, let's talk about the new aero kit. Lots of controversy about that um, at the end of last season, whether it would work, whether it whether it didn't. Did it work when we look back at the whole season? Huge, huge benefit. Uh, everybody will put their hands up now and say, yeah, that was a great idea. Uh, a couple of the tracks, it wasn't wasn't quite as successful, notably Indianapolis, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, fair, fair comment. Uh, but I tell you what, for all the road... For all the road and street circuits, yeah, it was brilliant. It, it, it produced fantastic racing. It, uh, it probably benefited drivers that uh, hadn't become used to the extreme downforce levels that they had in the past. Mm, but, particularly um, early on. So people get particularly early on. But no, I think it was great. Really produced good racing. The cars looked fantastic. They looked so much better. They were a lot less expensive, a lot less stupid bits and pieces tacked onto the cars that did, that, uh, that did, did nothing to improve the show, but it all only cost money. So, yeah, huge step in the right direction. Uh, one thing I would say, and I'd be interested in both your comments on this, I'll start with you, Cher. The first Super Speedway is actually at Indy, and I'm not sure that that's the right way to go, but... I don't know what else you can do with the calendar. And with a brand new aero kit, they, they might have thought about switching things around, but that wasn't to be. I mean, they were at Phoenix, obviously, beforehand, but not that's not the same as, <laughs> by any way, shame or form, that's not the same as Indy, is it? Well, no. Indy is its own thing, though, and that, that's part of the, the hard thing. But just going off what Jeremy was saying, people trying to wrap their minds around it, 
here's something for you. Simon Pagano never really did get his mind wrapped around it. And for mm. the first time ever, he only had two podium positions, no wins. And he even fessed up to the fact that he just couldn't figure out how to drive these cars. I'm not entirely sure that if you throw another super speedway on there before you go to Indy, that it really would help okay. just because Indy's so weird. Does it need a yeah, completely sip? Se- does it mean? Uh, does it need a completely separate aero kit, Jeremy, for for Indy? Uh, well, look. I mean, was it a bad race at Indianapolis? I mean, that's arguable well, to me. I thought I thought it was a pretty good race, actually. Yeah. Yes, it, it was wasn't a different race, wasn't year, it? Year past, it yeah. was. Yes, uh, and I, I think you know when they're going to go back there for this season i don't know whether they're going to have any major changes i would think probably not they'll try to make sure that it's not quite so catastrophic running running behind other cars certainly particularly if you're at the tail of a trail of cars so they will work on that and i'm sure they'll tweak it a little bit but tell you what it was a pretty darn good race i think wasn't it yeah i, I enjoyed it i did enjoy it uh, let's start at the beginning of the season then robert wiggins made the headlines in the in the season in good and in bad ways, and obviously we'll come on to his accident later on. Pole position, first race at Champagne, and Power made a mistake on the first lap and spun, but we saw from Rossi a, 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 an intent, really, for the whole season. He wanted to win, and he was prepared to win however he needed to do it. Yes, and, and that's the perfect way to phrase it, because Rossi... Um, on a restart, he tried to make a move around Wickens. It's debatable whether or not the move was on. <laughs> Ultimately, it resulted in the guy who led most of the race, who got the pole position in his first ever IndyCar race, the first guy to do that since I think it was Bourdais on his debut. Um, Wickens goes into the wall at turn one, does not finish the race, and uh, Rossi went on to get a podium position. But it very much set the tone for his season in I'm going to do anything I possibly can to take the championship because it's time, it's mine, I'm going for it. But it was uh, kind of a sweet moment when Sebastian Bourdais was the guy still standing who went on to take the win at his home track. And I always love seeing that happen. Seb's Uh, such a good guy. And I think I'm right in saying he started pretty much at the back, Jeremy, didn't he? Because he'd had an absolute nightmare in qualifying. Yeah, he started 14th and... uh, and yeah, for, for various reasons, I think. And, uh, but yeah, that was, it really was a fairy, fairy book uh, finish for him. And yeah, R- R- Wickens was robbed there, no question in my mind. Yep. Uh, yep. R- Rossi went for the move um, and didn't pull it off cleanly and t- to me should have been penalised for it. Mm. Uh, do, do, do I want to stop racing? No, I don't want no. to stop racing. I want to be, but I want to be racing cleanly. And that wasn't a clean pass in my book. And um, I think he was very lucky to get away with this. And Great. Uh, but 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 there's yeah you know, but there's many other people say look you know you can't make every pass cleanly and there's going to be casualties here and there fair enough uh, I can see that side of it as well but um, no it, it was certainly a great shame for Robbie because he did a, a just phenomenal job no, and uh, he was quite rightly gutted afterwards uh, Phoenix was next uh, pole position for Bordier but Newgarden uh, defending champ who won the race although power held the most laps. Uh, a good result for Joseph there, Jeremy. Yeah, well, exactly. It was a you know, good good uh, bounce back for him after a pretty disappointing weekend at Sebring. I mean, he qualified at Sebring, I mean, excuse me, St. Pete. He qualified He qualified 13th, actually, right behind Bourdais, uh, but he never was a, really a factor that whole weekend. So he needed that win at Phoenix. I think he was, he was aided, wasn't he, by strategies there, certainly, and mm. uh, he was out front when it mattered at the end. And uh, as we saw, overtaking wasn't particularly easy at uh, at Phoenix either. So, uh, you know, he came away with a win. 
and exactly uh, what he needed as a defending series champion. Uh, long big cheer. We were there, of course, as, as part of the big show with uh, with the IMSA weekend as well. Um, that was all Alexander Rossi did. That did everything, <laughs> didn't he? Did he get the uh, Did he get the full Did he get the full compliment? No, no. Joseph robbed him of the fastest lap honors, oh. but uh, <laughs> Alex Rossi pole position, most laps led, and of course the race win. And that really was an impressive drive from Alexander because. You don't win the Long Beach Grand Prix off of sheer dumb luck. You have to have everything go your way. Yeah. And you have to drive the wheels off the car in a concrete canyon that intimidates even the best of drivers. Mm. So it really was a good effort. And it was the first one of the year for the Andretti Autosport crew as a whole. And the second win for Honda. So it was it was a very impressive weekend. Uh, as we went to Barber, it was, it was turned on its head. You might as well call that now... Joseph Motorsport Park, Jeremy. I mean, Paul, most laps led and the win. He did get the trifecta. And the championship at that point, you think, hello, we've got a battle here. Newgarten versus Rossi, Penske versus Andretti. This is starting to look a bit like a classic. Yes, it was. But, but, but and, and what was interesting about that race, more notable was the fact that uh, that uh, Chevrolet was, was on a par with Honda. Yes. Okay, Chevrolet, they, they won Phoenix with Joseph. But... Um, the uh, the Hondas at that stage had been really, really looking good and Chevy was struggling a little bit. So they needed that win as well, as did Penske Racing. Uh, that was a properly well-earned win for Joseph. As, as you say, he was out front from the start and, and stayed there. Uh, interesting thing about that weekend, as, as Shea probably was going to point out, perhaps, I don't want to steal that one from you, but uh, the, he, he was prevented from getting the clean sweep there of, of pole win led most laps and fastest lap by, by the fast lap, which was actually set by Zachary Clement de Mello, curiously, yes. um, who's, uh, who, who's another guy who's a great talent, by the way, uh, I think, but he, again, hasn't given himself a chance to show it. He's interested, what's interesting about Zachary is, to digress a little bit, he's no, actually going to be doing the Indy Lights test next week. Uh, there's a, there's a the final Maserati Indy test of the, of the season at, at Homestead, Miami. Don't know where they're going to head down that shape, but uh, Zach's going to be driving down there in an Indy Lights car again with Bellardi. And I hope he goes back to Indy Lights because I think he would be a real championship contender. Uh, he he did two years of Indy Lights. Before that, he'd done next to nothing. I mean, he'd done a few Formula Renault races, a few na- not even national not even regional, really. F3 races with Carl in the UK. Talk about sledgehammers and nuts. Mm. Um, so he came into Indy Lights completely unprepared in 2016. But through those two years, he showed a lot of pace. He had a couple of three fastest laps. He had some podium finishes. He won one race at Road America in 17. And then to me, very strangely, made that decision to go straight up into IndyCar uh, for a partial season. But he showed that talent. You know, he showed that pace that he has there by setting the fastest lap at Barber. Um, um, and um, I think you know, he's going to benefit if he decides to do a full season next year of Indy Lights again and try and win the championship. Uh, and um, I digressed a bit there. No, I? no, that's fine. He finished twenty third in the championship <laughs> and scored, uh, you know, from his partial season, scored a creditable one hundred and twenty two points. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what what he goes uh, and, and does from there. Uh, the month of May is all about Indianapolis, of course, and well, all of a sudden. It was Will Power's time to shine. One, not one, but two races. One on the road course and the big one uh, as well. Lots of odd things going on, though, Shea, there. You mentioned the Aero kits, uh, TK, Baudet, Elio. Others of the old guard as well, and I, and I say that with much love and, and, and with 
no criticism at all. They was they were struggling to get the grips pun absolutely intended with this new aero kit. But as far as Will was concerned, he got his head round it and did a cracking month of me. He really did. And from when they rolled off the trucks for the first practice for the Indianapolis Grand Prix, you could tell that there was something going right for Will Power. He just had this confidence about him. And everything from the car's position, I mean, you come out of qualifying, he's on pole again at Indianapolis. He didn't get the fastest lap of that race. That went to Scott Dixon. But he led the most laps. He didn't give up the lead very often. And it was on pit stops, I seem to remember, that Mm. he gave up the lead, if at all, and then went on to win the race. Then we come around to the 500. So then you're running the other way around the oval, the proper way. Ed Carpenter taking another pole position for the Indianapolis 500. And you sort of had that feeling of, is this finally going to be the year where he can finish, get, you know, a top one, two finish somewhere in there? Well, he did. It just wasn't the right finish for him because Will Power, again, just grabbed the Indy 500 opportunity. He ran away with it. I loved the interviews with him afterwards where he was talking about the fact that he's lactose intolerant, but he still was drinking the whole milk because that's just what you do. (laughs) It was was a really deserving win for Will Power. Um, In in fairness, I think you're allowed to pick any milk you want. So if you want one without lactose... He picked full rich because he? he said you can't pick the lactose and Oh, uh, really? Andy 500. You should not be allowed to pick the lactose. <laughs> okay. So, Brilliant. Okay. He said it was worth it. Um, one of the one of the big stories before the Indy was, of course, uh, James Hinchcliffe and his not non-qualifying team didn't get the car out in time. Car didn't look any good either. To be honest, got a zero score there and. That uh, put Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport in a bit of a tailspin. Um, not for the first time in the season. Obviously, we'll come to that uh, later on. Been a big restructuring that has continued through to the end of the season. Um, that that was a bit of a shocker for James. The, the mayor of Hingetown wasn't very happy, Jeremy. Uh, no, he wasn't. Um, but, you know, that's that's what makes the Indy 500 the what Indy 500. Is. And Agreed. the whole qualifying procedures. And you talked about, you know, there being what uh, 41 points scores this season uh, the other the 42nd driver uh, in the event this year was Pippa Mann who also didn't qualify of course there in Indianapolis Good point. so it was Pippa and uh, and Hinch that didn't make the field uh, shocker all, all around but uh, but that is what makes it such a fabulous event and you know and I, I kind of like the fact that they did they could have bought a seat from somebody else yeah. uh, as has happened several times in the past decided or couldn't or wouldn't or didn't or whatever any other didn't do that and Credit to James. I mean, I think he, you know, he he's already got a massive amount of respect from everybody in the racing community for what he's been through in the past. And correct, he's another guy, you know, who, who I go back with a long way. When he when he started off doing Formula BMW, he did some commentaries with me. He was very he good. Was f- Fifteen years old, for goodness. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and he was brilliant then. He just he's just a great personality. He's wonderful for the sport. And it was. It was shocking that he didn't make the Indy 500 field, but you know, he came back. At least he won a race later in the year, but yep. you know, it certainly cost him four or five positions in the championship and just you know, one more point, uh, and he'd have finished two places up at higher in the championship. Uh, as, at the end of there were two more points, I guess. No, one more point. He finished two, he'd have finished ahead of both Graham Rahal and Marco Andretti. Yep. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it was... Uh, it was, it was uh, Remarkable, he didn't make the field, but but what a character he is. Yeah, I think he's he's probably you know they say what uh, doesn't kill you make you stronger. Well, he's been close 
literally close to death and yeah. bounced back from that. <laughs> so not qualifying for the biggest race this season. Is it a is it a blow? Yes it is. But does he come out of it and carry on? Yes. Yes he does. Still finish tenth in the championship. After that, the field went to Belle Isle for the double uh, just outside of Detroit. Marco Andretti grabbed uh, Paul for a first time in a long time share and all of a sudden in race one Scott Dixon pops back up and says uh, excuse me guys don't forget about me by the way yeah and what I love was that his family who normally travels with him to all the races didn't go to Detroit because he thought he didn't stand a chance at winning so Mm. he didn't even want to take the girls out and make everybody get on a plane and fly up but it was race number one Scott Dixon got to go play in the fountain although we saw the glimpses of strength from the Andretti team with Marco, as you rightly say, taking yeah. pole. But Ryan Hunter Ray setting the fastest lap of the day on Saturday. He set the stage for Sunday as well. Yeah, and it was all about Andretti, Team Andretti on Sunday, Jeremy. Rossi took the pole, led the most laps. Ryan Hunter Ray uh, got the fastest lap and took the race win. And Andretti, as a team, back in business again. Look, it was all about Honda this season. I mean, that was the mm. big factor there. And Andretti was a standard bearer, effectively, for, for, for Hondas. Uh, uh, OK, well, I mean, Ganassi was running Honda as well. Sure, don't misunderstand me there. But it had been... Uh, it took the Ganassi team much longer to get their heads around the cars. You know, that race in Detroit, that was the first lap that Scott Dixon led in the season. I mean, wow. round seven was the first time he led a lap. I mean, who would have thunk that going into the year? Uh, so that turned everything around. He had, he had, he had a, you know, a great result there. Uh, and that was what uh, that really put him on, on the march then towards knowing that he, he can and challenge for the championship, even though he'd had a, what for him was a pretty dismal start to the year. Mm-hmm. And June was a busy, busy month for uh, Scott Dixon because he raced twice at uh, at Belle Isle. Then he was off to Texas the next week before he went to Le Mans. And then the week after Le Mans, they were racing at, at Road America. But you wouldn't have thought it because just before he gets onto the plane to go to the Circuit de la Sarthe, He's back in the championship picture at Texas shit and wins the race. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the best way to get over jet lag is to just remember, oh, yeah, I I won the race. Okay, the jet lag's worth it. Um, (laughs) He he leaves Texas having won on the Oval, which was the first big Oval win of the year for a Honda because, remember, Phoenix and Indy both won by Team Penske and Chevrolet. So all of a sudden, it looks like it's going to be a Penske party again. Joseph's on pole. But then Dixie just works his magic, wins at Texas. And then, as you said, he goes over and he plays at Le Mans. Unfortunately, things didn't go as well over there for that team. And I seem to remember that they were one of two of the forwards that missed their drive time. So yep. that was a little bit harder for them to swallow. But the good thing was, as you say, he gets on a plane and comes back from France and then goes to Road America. Yeah. Uh, Road America, the following week, Jeremy, one of my favourite tracks. I love, I'd love to see IndyCar there live. I remember watching it on the telly um, with you commentating on it um, just a few years ago. That was the Tim Sindrick and Joseph Newgarten show. Uh, and again, you know, Paul, most laps led and the, and the race win. It did seem when people got it right at a track, they got it very right this year. It, it was not an easy track, I think, to overtake. I mean, you know, Joseph led all but uh, two of the laps that Dixie led, and that was on pit stop uh, sequence, wasn't it, mm. um, if I remember rightly. And, yeah, there were, there were certainly some of the races here where there wasn't a lot of overtaking, but that was, I think that was the only race 
that there were just two drivers that actually led a lap during an entire race. Uh, so if you look at things like that, you know, it, it was a, an interesting year. But you know, that, that first win in Detroit for Dixie, that was a turnaround. Up until then, I'd say it was the first time he'd led a lap all season long. Uh, he'd, he'd only qualified once, uh, even on the second grid prior to that front row start at at Detroit, so um, you know the, the the team finally figured things out there, and you know he qualified only seventh in Texas, uh, and in um, in Road America Dixie was was on the fourth row again of the grid, mm. but he did lead laps there and he did come away with a with a podium finish. Uh, next. We go to the first oval since we were at Indianapolis 500. Very different. Iowa, uh, Will Power, took pole position. Uh, however, it wasn't his story to write. And the headlines were all about uh, James Hinchcliffe, Shea. And after the disappointment of Indianapolis, the team proved they can get the car working on, albeit a different oval, and it, SPM and Hinch take the win. Yeah, and it, it was sort of a weird oval race because when you think about our championship contenders and where they finished, Power, yeah, he had the pole, but then he finished sixth. Rossi was ninth. Mm. Dixon, twelfth. Hunter Ray, nineteenth. Even Joseph was fourth. So we had Hinchcliffe come through with the win. Spencer Piggott, who drove a phenomenal race, finished second. And then the first glimpse of light on Takuma Sato's season, his best finish of the year up to that point with the third. So mm. It was it was a different race, and it sort of gave Hinch this feeling of momentum going into Toronto. Unfortunately, it didn't carry on that way, but it was a good oval race. Yeah, it was. I saw that it, one. It was, but but it, but it, it was Joseph's race. I mean, Joseph oh, yeah. had that race in the back. He, he, he won. He led virtually yeah. the whole way, and then there was that final pit stop, wasn't there? Right at the end, yeah, where they, they let you to bring him in the pits. To, to make a change of tires and it didn't go green didn't work so yeah. uh, so he, so you know he he kind of they kind of threw away a win there effectively yeah. but uh somewhat unfortunately i mean they, they put caution with what was it seven or eight laps to go and they figured they'd, they'd go green for the last couple there were only a few cars on the lead lap so uh he, he'd used that strategy before to win a race like that and this time it backfired because he never went back to green but joseph was the man there and that was the interesting thing about all the oval races was uh, Chevrolet was a lot more was a lot more competitive on the ovals than they were yes. on the road courses. You look at the laps led during the during the whole season uh, in uh, on in road course road course trim. Honda had a massive edge uh, it, on the ovals. It was it was virtually neck and neck. But uh, Chevrolets certainly were were, were competitive on uh, on all of the oval tracks, and that one was just a tech kind of taken away from them at the last minute by by Hinch. He'd had bad luck in Indianapolis, so he certainly deserved a bit of good fortune, and he Great. took it there and came up with the win. Uh, you know, as the saying goes, got to be in it to win it. He was there. He'd been competitive. He had been competitive in that yeah. race, and I, and I think they took a little bit from that. But as you say, there'll be there'll be people in. in the Penske organisation would be scratching their heads there. That's not a mistake that uh, that Penske normally make. Next up, north of the border, it was a win there for Dixie again, which ties him with Dario on three for wins in Toronto. Robert Wickens in third position. I saw a bit of this race. Well, no, actually, I saw quite a lot of this race. It was a bit stoppy-starty, this one. It was difficult to get into a rhythm of this race here. It was, and you've got to feel for Joseph Newgarden in this race, too. He put the car on pole, and when he was leading completely on his own coming out of the last turn, the rear of the car just snapped out a bit uh, from underneath. It was a restart. It was a restart, yes. Yeah. The right rear hit the wall, 
and that allowed Dixon to go past, and then Dixon ran off with the race win. But Joseph's not had the best of luck in Toronto. He's won there a couple of times, which in itself is impressive, but this was another one that should have been his win that ultimately went the way of the honorary Canadian Scott Dixon. Well, he's, he's won there so many times, yes, absolutely. It's a great event, though, Jeremy. You were there. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a great event. Uh, Toronto always has been. It's it's not perhaps quite as big as it used to be back in the uh, Is 80s anything? and 90s. When... <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, 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 but it's still a great event. Uh, and uh, you know, the uh, the Green Savory Promotions there does, a, does, a, does a, a better and better job each year. They've been hamstrung somewhat by, by the track limitations there and the building work that's going on around the uh, exhibition place. Uh, I still don't really like the pit... Uh, setup they have now but yeah. uh, it's a great event and um and it's it's a really difficult track and when and when the conditions are difficult like they were then mm. uh, it's even more challenging so uh, your hats off to uh, dixie for for coming away with that one uh we are talking through the verizon indycar series for 2018 share adam and jeremy shaw joining me john hindoff in this special radio show limited program uh, and we, we're just having a quick blast through the season. That was Toronto. We'll head to Mid-Ohio next. Another classic uh, road circuit, which ended up, unfortunately, in some ways, because I don't like to say this, but it was a bit of a fuel race year. It was all a bit of fuel mileage, wasn't it? It was. Uh, at the end of the race, Alexander Rossi, who turned out to win the thing, you can say that he earned it because he did put the car on pole in very impressive fashion for the qualifying session. He led the most laps, but there was just a sense of something lacking. Robert Wakens was on a different strategy, yeah. and SPM and, and Piers Phillips uh, felt very confident in the strategy that they had gone on. Ultimately, it resulted in Wickens finishing second to Rossi, but it was the battle of who's going to run out of fuel first. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, but how many times have we been at races, Jeremy, where that's been the case at Mid-Ohio? I, I don't know what it is about Mid-Ohio, but whether it's sports cars or IndyCar, it's often a bit of a fuel battle because it, it's on the cusp of whether there's another pit stop required. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How it how it uh, how it falls that way. There, uh, it always has been, always will be. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think there's any science ago, to it. it. Well, a few years ago, actually, they extended the race distance there, a uh, few more laps to try and make sure that wasn't as uh, wasn't a factor uh, as much as it has been. And uh, but it doesn't seem to work because even even now, drivers are able to stretch their fuel load and, and make it uh, on on one less pit stop yeah. uh, to, than some of the others. I think that's what. Uh, when Rossi that race is down, he was on a on a fuel save mission again, wasn't he? Yeah, he was mm-hmm. from very early on, which is what you've got to do. You can't just do it in your last yeah, stint. Just a shame. You 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 you'd much rather see see flat out racing because it's yeah. because it's so difficult Agreed. to pass there at Mid Ohio. Yeah, uh, you'd much rather see a flat out race. And again, I'd like to to, to add if they had another five or six laps uh, to that race distance. Uh, Perhaps that would help, but then it goes. You know, it just takes one more caution period. That's going to bring it back into the window again. So yeah, uh, yeah, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Such a short lap there. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to Porcano. It was the dark spot of the season. Rossi won the race. All the headlines were in the wrong way, Jeremy, uh, and that was Robert Wickens' crash. Now, I, I'm not going to discuss the whys and the wherefores of uh, of how it happened. It was, but it was a horrible thing. But of course, it started the old debate again about. IndyCar, are they as safe as Formula One? Should they have already had the halo 
device on and I'm not sure there's a there's an easy answer to any of that but what we've seen in the past is IndyCar have or have been rather considered about safety their cars go through very different have to withstand very different situations from from Formula One and a Formula One car wouldn't work around in safety measures around Indianapolis or in a, indeed around an oval like Pocono. I'm not sure that's as that's as, as simple a comparison as people often make out, particularly from the European side. Certainly not. Just look at look at some of the the, the incidents we've seen in in Formula One over the last few years with suspensions suddenly collapsing because of the carbon suspension components. Mm. Uh, you happened to Toro Rosso several times. Uh, didn't it? And uh, and other teams as well have had those sort of things. Uh, you, you're not going to see carbon suspension used on cars over here because if you do hit it, hit it the wrong way, something untoward happens. It can break. Well, steel wishbones don't break. Look, I think the big the bigger factor there was the track itself. It, right. Pocono is it's it's a long two and a half miles around. It's a big track. It's it's old. Uh, old. I, actually, I've not. I've never been there. I have to I have to say, I've never actually been there myself, which is very amazing. Not. It's never actually anywhere I wanted particularly to go. I have to admit. But uh, it, it. You know, motor racing is dangerous, and it's it's a fact of life. It, it was a freaky instance. You, you, there's always going to be things that go wrong in this sport you cannot mitigate against everything Correct. could they have done some more there in the benefit of hindsight in terms of the track itself yes they possibly could but the, tell you what the car itself did a bloody good job of standing Correct. up to that. that the halo wouldn't have made any difference in that instance whatsoever it was just about the car caught on the fencing mm. and it was a suddenly deceleration then the crashing back down to the track again that was just a combination of circumstances you know, if you don't want to go watch over racing or don't want to do over racing, totally respect that. Correct. Uh, but these guys do. Uh, and um, uh, it was it was horrible. You know, just horrible, horrible, horrible. There's, there's no words to d- describe it, and particularly for somebody like Robbie. He's such a great character. But uh, you, you, everything happens for a reason, doesn't it, as, as you've just said? And, and uh, you know, they, they're going to learn from that. There's going to be improvements made to the tracks, but the car itself is pretty damn good. And uh, just to see that that whole survival cell of the car doing exactly what it's supposed to do yeah. uh, says a lot about uh, what IndyCar has done. And let's not forget that a lot of the Formula One safety advances have come out of IndyCar yeah. as well. And by no means are we saying it's a competition in safety between Formula One and IndyCar. It's different absolutely. horses for different courses. They learn courses. from each other. You're absolutely yes. right. They learn from each other. Yeah, and, yes. it, and it's a completely different set of circumstances in each of those type of racing. Uh, the the only good news that comes out of that year is just how hard Robert Wickens has been working. And <laughs> we've seen yeah. videos over the last few weeks. And, and, and I... As we've seen with um, Sophia Flosch, by the way, I, I never believe anything that I'm reading unless it's come from um, a, an official source and one or two websites and other places have let themselves down uh, during the last uh, few months uh, in in their reporting about various things, not just accidents. Um, I've seen Robbie's videos. I've seen how hard he's working um, with uh, Sam Schmidt as his, his team owner. Um, he's got no better role model there. We've we've had a um, Alex Zanardi involved as well in making sure that he's got the right support and his mind's in the right place. And what we've seen is a young man 
who is absolutely determined to get back to the best that he can possibly be after a horrendous accident. And he's still giving us that famous Robert Wicken smile through all of this, which is even more incredible. Um, What I can say about Robbie is that he was moved to a facility in Denver that is much more able to aid people who are trying to regain use of their legs, trying to to regain the muscle feeling. Mm. He is much happier out there, uh, feels like he's being treated differently, going to a lot of Denver Bronco games lately, and it's just been a much better environment for him. So if there's a place where he can recover even more quickly than he was doing in Indianapolis and before that in Pennsylvania, he's in the right place. He's got the right people around him. And as soon as we can get him back in that number six machine, he's going to be going in for a seat fitting. And I'm, I'm sure he'll be uh, fudging the lines a little bit, saying, I'm ready to go. Oh, Let yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, classy from SPM for the rest of the season. Uh, even when they were running two cars, the six wasn't on uh, one of them. We've got three more races to go. And, of course, all of our thoughts are with uh, Robbie Wiggins and his family. And we wish him all the best for his uh, his ongoing rehabilitation and however that ends up he's still going to be a great racer in all of our hearts and minds uh next up was gateway uh look good early for dixie uh but willpower decided uh, against uh, against the dixie win there i watched that what a race gateway was thoroughly enjoyed it uh power wins and uh, the so we had a Kiwi winning and an Aussie second, Jeremy. And, and Will Power all of a sudden saying, all right, I might not be part of the championship fight, but I'm proving that I, I'm still in there. I'm still still a driver. And in fact, actually, that, that put him on the verges of the championship fight at that point of the season. Yes, it did. Um, and one of the interesting things about that event also was the fact that qualifying or practice was... was uh was severely affected by the rain Correct. and they didn't actually have qualifying. They just, uh, they went on, on uh, championship positions for the, for the starting lineup, which is a shame. Interestingly, Indy lights elected to have a short pre- uh, extra practice session. Yes, and then they, they ran their qualifying. Okay. They had, they had only a third as many cars to get through in that qualifying run. But I, I really like the fact that Indy lights m- made the guys qualify. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame the Indy car guys didn't do that as well, because that meant that the championship contenders started, up front, whereas you know, otherwise they might have been shuffled back and had to work a little bit harder. So the ch- all the championship contenders were at the front, though, of the field, uh, and that certainly helped them. And it was a, it was a fascinating race. Generally, is that a great? Again, that's a great place. The Bomberito Water Group there do a fabulous job of promoting it. So much enthusiasm there at Gateway. Really good uh, re-addition to the championship. No, absolutely agreed, and it was fabulous watching that uh, from afar. Uh, back to Portland this year. Yay! I've always enjoyed going to the Pacific Northwest. Great uh, city. Um, about 15, 20 minutes on the little uh, on the little tramway system from the track. Uh, great music venues. A lot of microbreweries. A lot of great guitar shops. Um, and this was sheer... Oh, and there's a racetrack. Uh, oh, yes, there's a racetrack. Yes, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> tough to do when you're not working, Jeremy. That's, you know... Aye, uh, aye. Um, the uh, This year was was a bit of a bonkers race, wasn't it? Because in any other year, Scott Dixon's championship would have been open. Uh, would have been over at the very start of the race. He ends up in a cloud of dust, somebody else right in front of him, manages to keep the engine running, hasn't hit anybody, and goes on to get some points. Um, hasn't gone down a lap. 
No, has exactly hasn't got. I mean, it was <laughs> the car looked like somebody had taken it on the Baja. It was so dusty. It was ridiculous. Um, Takuma Sato wins the race almost as an aside, and that's that's a bit unfair to Takuma because he actually drove a, a pretty good race. One or two people made mistakes, but Dixie gets points that he could never have expected when he was sitting with cars going round him, over him. I mean, it was ridiculous the start of that race. Yeah, and considering that Alex Rossi looked so strong in the race, he finished eighth, and uh, Dixon finished fifth. Yeah. So you look at what happened on the first lap, and then you look at the results, and you sort of go, hey? But yeah. it, was, it was so crazy. And honestly, when I was looking back through trying to pick out interesting features from that race, there were just so many moments that yeah. I, I remember sitting there, mouth agape, watching yeah. the screen going, somebody's put a video game on my computer because this isn't real. No, it, it, it was a great result for Takuma Sato though. And just superb that that's what he gets to stay with the same team for next year. He's now got a win to yeah. back up the Indy 500. And, and Jeremy, a lot of people, you know, there was eyebrows raised when Portland was put back on, on the circuit, uh, uh, on the, on the schedule, not a lot of work done since the, we left there in any series. It's a it's a bit of an old school circuit. It was always a bit of a bull ring, a bit of a tiny little cart circuit type place. But the fans came out and they were entertained. It was a great weekend. The weather was perfect as well. It was it was a great weekend. And you know, and again, that 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 weekend just comes down to how how the cookie crumbles. How how lucky just. you are when the cautions come out. Uh, you know, if Dixie, if the, if 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 sands and butts, uh, that's a perfect example of, of that for, in terms of motor racing. Because you know, if Dixie hadn't, if it take another ten seconds or so longer to get going, it gone down the lap. That would have made things difficult. If the caution period hadn't come out when uh, to, to to mess up uh, Rossi's strategy, then he probably would have won there as well. So you know, gosh, it was just one of those weird things. But it was great to see Taku out front. I mean, what a character he is. He's great for the sport as well. And um, yeah, I agree. and I, I was thrilled. From, but I mean, you know, he started twentieth for goodness' sake in that race and ended up <laughs> winning it. Just shows, but it just shows what can happen in IndyCar. And it wasn't as if he was, you know, he just lucked into it because of uh, because he wasn't fast. He was fast as well, uh, and that's what's great about the IndyCar series. That, that the cars are fast. You can doesn't matter where you start. You've still got an opportunity great. because of the strategies, because of the way things work out to get to the front. And that is what is what makes IndyCar racing unique at this level in the sport and so much fun. We'll have a quick word about uh, about the top ten in points when we finish. Uh, after the final race of the season with Jeremy and Shea on this uh, Radio Show Limited special as we look back at the Verizon IndyCar Series of 2018. Season finale at Sonoma and Shea, well, it was an RHR fest, wasn't it? Ryan Hunter-Rear took the pole, took the win. Yeah. Uh, that might put him in it. I mean, it's already a long time ago from when we're speaking. It's a long time still to go before they restart, but you're only as good as your last race and that was a victory. He had a very good weekend. He'll have gone into the off-season in a far better state of mind than he would have before that. Well, and he, he went into the IndyCar off-season by taking a win at the Petit Le Mans, of uh, course, with point. Wayne Taylor Racing as well. Good point. And uh, I, I did do a charity go-kart race with him a couple of weeks ago, and I will say that he uh, profoundly kicked my butt. So clearly I should hope so. Well, he was only two tenths faster than Dad. That's the that's the secret, though. Shh. Um, so he, <laughs> he was in a great attitude, a great state of mind. 
just really, really happy with the way that things finished. To get a win at Sonoma is a big deal. To get a win in the last race of a season when that's the race that everyone is thinking about for six months, Mm. that is the most idealistic thing. So for everybody going into St. Petersburg in March, they're going to be thinking, all right, who do I have to beat? Okay, well, obviously it's Scott Dixon, the champion, but who was the guy who won the last race? Ooh, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about an awful lot of drivers in the 41 that scored points and the ones uh, that uh, didn't. Uh, I, I want to focus on the top 10, but I, I will just mention Takuma Sato in 12th and Robert Wickens in 11th, despite Robert's accident and not scoring in the last three races of the season. Takuma Sato, as Jeremy's already mentioned, uh, just a great asset for the series in so many ways, both in the US and interna- internationally. Uh Quick word from both of you. James Hinchcliffe, 10th position, 391 points. Actually finished on the same number of points as his teammate, Robert Wiggins. Jeremy, on James Hinchcliffe, first of all. Yeah, really disappointing year for him. I mean, it started out fairly well in terms of qualifying. He, he was in the top uh, 10 in each of the, the, you know, all the way through the first half of the season, through the first eight races. So that went well, but not a lot of luck went to his, you know, didn't have a lot of luck. In the second part of the season, uh, he, he he qualified only two or three times inside the top 10. Uh, so it was a very disappointing end to the can- campaign for, for Hinch. And he'll be looking to come back uh, a lot more stronger, a lot more consistently next year. Uh, Shea? Comprehensively outperformed by Robert Wickens. So James Hinch Well, with... Well, uh, to be fair, Shay, uh, in the first part of the season, they, they, they were generally fairly close on pace. But Robbie, you're right, always seemed to come Race out better. on top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Hinch, Hinch, you know, Hinch, like I say, was always in the top 10 uh, in, those, in those qualifying races, uh, in qualifying. And yeah. uh, Robbie was, was there or thereabouts as well. They, they were fairly closely matched in the first half of the season, but not in the second. The difference for me, Jeremy, is no, no, no. Uh, The difference for me is that Hinch knows all the tracks. Robbie had to learn them. Yeah. And the fact that Robert got four podiums in his races, Hinch only got two. Yes, he got the win, which I give him full credit for the Iowa thing. But as you rightly say, that was sort of Joseph's race to lose. Um, It's the sort of thing that you don't expect a team leader to come out tied on points with the new kid on the block. That that's what really surprised me. I I don't want to stray into preview territory for next year but SPM is a team that's been in a state of flux you know in the close season before 2018 changes were made and through the season changes have been made uh, directions have been changed personnel have departed including the man who was tasked with rebuilding the, the, the team Piers Phillips does this leave Jeremy Sam Schmidt and his in his operation needing a new rudder for the ship, if you will, because they tried to do a lot of changes. Not all of them worked this year. And now the man who was, who was tasked with pulling all this together in last off-season, he's, he's on his bike as well. I wasn't close enough uh, to, to the series on a regular basis to, to, to give a, a sensible answer to that. Uh, but certainly there was a lot more uh, personnel changes, engineering-wise, obviously, uh, and, and at the top in terms of running the team, than would be ideal for a team that's running on a consistent basis at the front of the field. So that they mm. do need to find some uh, a proper direction there and stick with it, yes. Yeah, agreed. Uh, just one point further up the standings uh, in eighth and ninth position. Well, let's go to ninth first of all. Shea Adam, Marco Andretti, 
big name, lot always expected from Marco. I think he'll be another driver who, for the most part of the season, will have been disappointed, won't he? Um, he did get a pole position at Belle Isle, and he was running with a different team. Yes, he was with Andretti still, but he had swapped roles, so he was now driving the 98, whereas Alexander Ross was driving the 27, so they, they switched teams a little bit. Different personnel in Marco Andretti's headset, talking to him this year, and going into next year, he's taken part of a team stake of the ownership, so clearly still invested in his future and, and very much encouraged by what he went through this year. No wins and no podiums. That's a huge blot on his copybook in terms of 2018. But at least he got the monkey off his back of getting a pole position. So he knows he can be the fastest guy out there. Yeah, he's not going to be happy with that, though, Jeremy, is he? No, very much not. Uh, I like Marco, you know. Yeah, me too. I, I go against the grain of a lot of people. A lot of people don't like him for all sorts of different reasons. Um, has his focus always been there? No. Uh, has Brian Herter helped him get that focus back? Yes, I think yes. he has, and I Good hope point. we'll see. I hope we'll see the proper Marco turn up on a regular <laughs> basis next season. He, he, he does need to focus a little bit more, and uh, he thinks he's doing everything right, but uh, he hasn't done so far, and that's let him down. He's kind of let himself down, I think. But the talent is there, and I'd love to see it come through more on a regular basis. Yes, I think the move into team ownership, albeit in a small way, uh, I know he's still going to be driving in 2019. It's very interesting. Talk to uh, talk to Fernando Alonso about Marco Andretti and he is fulsome in his praise for Marco Andretti and how he helped uh, Fred get up to get up to speed in an IndyCar very quickly. I mean, I know he's a talented driver, but even so, there's nuances, etc. Uh, tied on points, another big name in the sport, <coughs> Graham Rahal, or the French commentators always like to call him Graham Rahal. Uh, 392 points. Uh, Graham, assess his season uh, in a sentence or two, Mr. Shaw. Uh, pretty much the same as Marco. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 like Marco, only qualified once among the top five in all uh, 17 races. And that's that's crazy uh, for somebody who, who should be a championship contender. To be fair, his teammate... T- Takuma Sato also only qualified once among the top five so that really tells you all you need to know and I don't know why because they've got some great people there at uh, Rahul Lederman Lanigan Racing Um, so it it really doesn't make any sense at all Uh, and of course Piers Phillips is off there as president of operations uh, across all of their racing activities not just IndyCar Uh, I mean anybody who's not in the top four or five shares not going to be uh, not going to be impressed, but for Graham, who who actually did well with equipment that maybe wasn't so great in 2017, 2018 hasn't been a great year for him. No, and it started off well with the podium at um, St. Petersburg, where he had that opportunity to sort of keep the momentum going, but then it just never really fell into place for Graham. It, it's interesting reading about certain things that he's attributing to the fact that he's not winning races. He's decided to go on a massive diet this off season okay. and try to lose a bunch of weight because he said he's got about 50 pounds on Ricky Taylor and Elio Castroneves, with whom he shares the Penske prototype. I can tell about um, lose 50 pounds. Well, he went off of sugar for about a month and then decided that wasn't working. So carbs, <laughs> sticky carbs. That's all he needs to do. Exactly. I'll tell him so that. We'll- We'll see what kind of Graham Rahal rocks up first at uh, Daytona in January. But then, you know, you've always got the feeling from him that he's about to make a breakthrough. He just hasn't made that step yet. And I just keep waiting for the 18-year-old kid who won at St. Petersburg Uh, uh, to come back. Yes, couldn't agree more. He's not the kid anymore. Needs to do it. You're, You're right. 
And, and, and that second place, by the way, at St. Peter, where did he start that weekend that, uh, in that race? 24. Yes. So he can't do it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they got the strategy right. He drove a great race. He, he's a much better racer than he is a qualifier, Graham. Mm. But he needs to get better as a qualifier in that case. Yep. And so it's, again, down to the same as Marco. He's, it's that commitment again. He, he's now said he's going to make that commitment. Good. Like, exactly what I want to hear. Let's Good hope attitude. he uh, follows through on that. Sebastian talent, again, is there. Sebastian Bordier in seventh, uh, 425 points. So a little bit further up the field. Sebast, Jeremy, um, by no means in the autumn of his years, but certainly closer to the end of his career than than the beginning. Uh, twenty eighteen for him in the Verizon IndyCar series. Really strong, you know, smaller team. Uh, Very good uh, with uh, Dale Coyne racing up against the the powerhouses. They got some great people there now at Dale Coyne Racing, however, uh, including Sebastian, of course, on the driver's strength. But the engineering strength is good. Uh, Dale has invested a lot in the equipment there. He's got all the go-faster bits that you need to run at the front these days that are you know, not not obviously well-documented because that's why they are what they are, the secret bits. Um, but they've got they've got many of those. And, and when they have those, Sebastian is able to, to do it. Look, he was a regular top five qualifier. Uh, he had uh, just the one win, but it could have been more. And uh, the talent is still there for Sebastian Bourdais. He's he and he's so much more of a calm character nowadays than he used to yes. be. He used to be really grumpy. Yeah. He's much more uh, comfortable with himself. Do you know and, what, Jeremy? It looks like he's en- driving. Yeah, I think it looks yes, like he's enjoying it, it more. It looks Absolutely. like he's enjoying it more. He appreciates the opportunity. Mm. He, he works really hard at it, uh, and uh, great. Love it. Quick good, word good, on good to see. And hats off to Dale Coyne Racing. Yeah, uh, good good effort by the whole of the the team at Dale Coyne Racing this year. Uh, Sebastian Bordier, quick line from you, Shea. Uh Podium at Le Mans this year certainly helped uh, his spirits yeah. as well. So he's he's a very happy driver when things are going well. That's for sure. And uh, even when you catch him on a bad weekend where he feels like there maybe isn't the speed in the car, you still have to go out there and race. Just look at what he did in Indy before the arrow sort of washed off the car. And then he had another one of those weird crashes all on his own. But Sebastian Bourdais, always a name to contend with. Uh, You're right, right, Shay. And and that's that's the point there. The fact that when things didn't go right in the past, he was always grumpy and down and and, just totally downbeat. And what you say there is right. This this time he's a lot more even keeled and uh, he can bounce back from adversity a lot better than he used to be able to do. Top six. We'll start with Simon Pagenaud. Shea, you go uh, first of all on Simon. Uh, used to be you know, well known as a super sub, bouncing around from car to car, from series to series. Gets a, a full season in the Verizon IndyCar Series this year. Sixth position, 492 points. So, you know, some, what, 60, 70 points up the road from, from Seabass. How do you think he'll look at his season and how do you assess SP? <laughs> well, how he's going to look at the season is the worst of the Penske drivers, which is uh, <laughs> not good. something that you want to wear on your sleeve. No wins, two second-place finishes for Simon Pagenaud. And he and his engineer kept saying, we can't get our minds wrapped around this new car. We just can't figure out the theory. So it was sort of on both ends of the spectrum because he was another guy driving the Acura DPI in IMSA, which he loved. And he was raving about how much fun it was, how it reminded him of the old Peugeot days. And then he goes into the IndyCar and he just can't string things together. This will be a season that he wants to forget, put behind him, and March can't come quickly enough for Simon Pagenaud. Uh, Jeremy, is this an opportunity lost for Simon in, in the Penske team? You know, great equipment, great organisation, and he finishes off, you know, a couple of hundred points away uh, from anywhere near the championship. 
Yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just don't know the answer. Obviously, he doesn't because he'd have figured that, and nor the team because they'd have figured it out. That's a good point. Just, I guess, uh, just one of those things. I mean, it's, it's IndyCar racing is so competitive nowadays. It just takes the tiniest little thing to go wrong and a little bit of luck not on your side. And that's where you're going to do, you know, six in the championship against a strong field isn't that bad. Uh, but for a Penske driver, certainly you, one would have expected more. Uh, Joseph Newgarten in fifth, defending champion of the Penske driver. Uh, flashes of, of what exactly what we expected from Joseph. Didn't get the rub of the green, as we've mentioned sometimes. Dare I say it, Jeremy? Once in a while, Penske might have got the strategy wrong for Joseph as well, or he might have been further up the championship standings. He had a good start of the season, though. He had a great. He had a, he had a good season all the way along. I mean, you know, his qualifying average, I think, was was bettered only by actually by Will Power, his teammate. Uh, those two well clear of everybody else in the qualifying stakes. And you're right, he made a couple of mistakes. The team made a couple of mistakes. He didn't get the rub of the green, and that's why I ended up fifth in the points. Difficult always, share for the defending champion to come back. There's a target on the car. Uh, in some respects, everybody's got high hopes for you. Uh, fifth for Joseph. Uh, he wanted to defend the one, and he didn't manage to accomplish that. Still got three wins, which uh, Scott Dixon and Alexander Rossi both managed, and Will Power all managed to accomplish too. So no lack of uh, trophies for Joseph at the end of the year, but he didn't accomplish his main goal. And to be honest, not 100% sure why not, because he did everything just right. And I will never, ever, ever, ever doubt Tim Sindrick, because I've learned don't go against Tim Sindrick. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there is right. some piece of the magic that was missing from this year. No, no it was just the luck of the green. It really was. Yeah, he yeah. led more laps than anybody else. He led uh, 70 more laps than, than Rossi. Uh, you uh, know, he led uh, more races than anybody else. Uh, you know, he was statistically, he was really, really good. He just, just a couple of things didn't go his way. Plus those couple of mistakes, both by him and the team, those were costly. At the, at the end of the day but uh, he's still fast he's still motivated and I'm sure we'll see Joseph back running again for the championship next year I mean yeah, I uh, he could easily have been a championship it was a yes. championship well, tender yes tender. but yeah. he could have easily been a lot closer than the you know 100 points or so he was he was off the leading pair he was only six behind Ryan Hunter Ray in fourth position uh, strong finish to the season from Ryan as we've as we've documented how do you think he looked at his season as a whole though Jeremy Shaw again dis- disappointing inconsistent though, yes a little bit inconsistent you uh, in the uh, in the second part of the year he was a a, a regular contender up front the first part of the year wasn't he was he was much more up and down so it, it, things got better and better for Ryan as the season went along he qualified more consistently he was in the top uh, half dozen in, in, in every race of the second part of the year and that certainly enabled him then to, to run consistently up front which is what we expect uh, of Ryan that's what he expects of himself uh, he just kept popping up here at the oddest of times just to remind us that, you know, he is still there. And and there was times in the season when I thought, oh, hang on a minute, I, 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 I may have written off Ryan Hunter here too, too early, but he couldn't get a run going. Isn't it funny how a bright yellow car with DHL on the side can be so incognito? <laughs> there were quite a few races where all of a sudden it's like, oh, where, where did he come from? Um, but yeah, like like I said earlier, he's the kind of guy who, although it's only fourth in the championship, winning the last race, finishing second in Portland, the penultimate race, mm. 
those six months of thinking about who you need to beat, he's got a lot of confidence on his side. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Top three coming up on the uh, Verizon IndyCar review of 2018. Jeremy Sean, Shea Adam joining me, uh, John Hainoff. I will be asking Shea and Jeremy for their uh, team and drivers of the year as well. So I'm just going to give give them a little bit of a fair warning on that. In third position, 582 points. Uh, will Power. Shea, you can start uh, with Will. Um, I mean, what do you say about a man who's had a season like Will? He won the Indy 500. Exactly. He doesn't care where he finishes in the championship. I mean, is that still true? I mean, is that still true? Is that still, you know, like Le Mans and the WEC yeah, yes. with, with, with no, absolutely no disrespect to the Verizon IndyCar series or to the WEC? You know, Le Mans is the big race. Indy 500 is the big race. He, he, does that then overshadow everything else, Jeremy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes. That's fine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, um, Will didn't have a bad season, Shea, uh, and, he, no. and, he, and he took up the big check for Indy, as, as you say. Um, but at the end, uh, finishes, you know, nearly 100 points away from our championship winner. Your face is not carved on a trophy forever and ever oh, when you win the championship. Good. Very so for good. Will, he's already been a series champion. He ticked that off the bucket list a long time ago. He got to make himself sick from drinking the milk in victory lane. <laughs> That's all that matters. At, at the end of the year, he's going to look back and say, you know what? I want Indy. I'm good. Uh, hard to argue with that, Jeremy, yeah, look, is it? Yes. Uh, I mean, look, his, he, he quali- his qualifying average was way better than anybody else. Oh, uh, he yeah. had the, the, the non-finishes at, uh, at Phoenix, at Barber, at uh, Detroit, the first race, um, and, uh, and at Road America, too. Uh, though that's what cost him uh, the, the championship. Mm. Simple as that. Uh, top two, Alexander Rossi, who started so well in the season. Jeremy, I'm going to come to you first, and I'm going to throw something in here and, and say a, a very aggressive driver pulls off some outstanding overtaking manoeuvres, whether on road tracks or on ovals. It seemed to me at times in the season that his team were deliberately putting him on a very, very conservative strategy, almost to stop him have to make those those type of manoeuvres. Am I reading too much into that? Uh, um, not, not. What do you, how, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, he was, he, he was conservative. I mean, his one of his strengths is being able to save fuel. Yes. So they were playing to that strength. Right. Perhaps okay, uh, and his other strength was he's been able to make passes. I mean, he was fantastic in terms of making passes he was. this season. Alexander Rossi he really was stunning. Uh, some of the overtaking moves he brought up, particularly in Indianapolis, were, were, were yeah, just well, they were ridiculous. For good and and how he didn't get taken out. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the luck of the green fell his way on several occasions this season. Indy certainly won because some of those passes around the outside they were fabulous to watch. Yes, but, yes. I mean, uh, but it's heart and mouth stuff, wasn't little, it? thing goes yeah. wrong yeah one little thing goes wrong and, that, and he's going to end up in the wall with somebody else as well yeah um so you know the, he had the luck of the green but he was he was he was very very impressive this was a breakthrough season for alexander rossi mm. he came off his high horse he 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 uh he became much more of a team player i think probably being on that uh, reality show thing probably helped him a lot as well actually in becoming more grounded uh, I think that paid off with the team. He's much better respected now around the paddock than he used to be. It was a breakthrough season for Alex, uh, and uh, hats off to him for that. 
no longer the bold young kid then, Cher. Alexander Rossi coming of age in 2018. Do you agree with Jeremy? I, I would agree. Uh, his passes on the ovals, for sure, heart and mouth sort of stuff. And when you look back at a highlight reel of them, you wonder <laughs> how in the world the laws of physics did not take him into the fence. But it was only three <laughs> out of the 17 races where Alexander Rossi did not finish inside the top 10, yeah. which is a phenomenal stat when you look at the numbers. And yeah, he got the three races, the Long Beach Drive, superb. Yes, he was. Uh, looking back at what he did at Mid-Ohio with the fuel saving, again, just at very Iowa, impressive. fuel saving as Very well. mature. Yeah, and, and at Iowa, it's, it's the sort of thing that you look back on and think, yeah, he, he did a really good job, but I'm glad he didn't win the championship. Ah, okay. He, the drive would have disappeared. Okay, it's Pocono, sorry, that uh, I think where he, he did the... the Pocono was of, the other win, yes. Yeah, that was the other win. Uh, let's move on to our champion of this year. And in, I'll come to you second, here on this one, because in fairness, Scott was your tip for, for the championship. And at various parts of the season, you know, we were saying... Uh, that's that might not have been a great call, but Jeremy, <laughs> it is quite clear that Scott Dixon still has just as much passion, and just as much heart, and just just as much drive for the sport as he did when he joined Chip Ganassi 127 years ago, or whatever it was. That's an <laughs> that's an extraordinary an extraordinary partnership that Scott Dixon, Chip Ganassi, and the rest of the team have put together and it and it's paid 600 I mean at the end of the season it's not that close 678 against 621 and reminder that it's double points at Sonoma um he put together a season that was didn't look good at the start but it, it actually was perfectly paced kept himself in contention and you know just that consistency for the most part in the season is what wins championship he was there when it mattered he takes everything in his stride, doesn't oh, he? Oh, very he's, good. He's, he's so comfortable in his own skin. He's so comfortable in that team. Uh, he's in his comfort zone. It, w- w- doesn't matter where, 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 what else is happening around him. Mm. Whether he's qualified poorly, whether he's been involved in an incident on the first lap, just water off a duck's back. Okay, right. What am I going to do next? How can yeah. I move myself forward? Uh, and that's it's that experience that put himself in that in that championship position. And and then you know the Ganassi team. I mean, Michael is. Uh, he like Tim Sindrick doesn't doesn't make mistakes on the uh, yeah. on the strategy calls. All of their calls this season were just about perfect. And Dixie did a brilliant job. He hardly made any mistakes himself, and that's why he's a champion. But it was remarkable that those first six races of the season, not a single lap led for Dixie, and yet he comes away with a championship. But it was uh, it was a, another classic season of of how to win a championship. That's a great start that Jeremy's come up with, Shea, the first six seasons, which includes, of course, the Indy 500, um, where there's all kinds of shenanigans can go on in terms of pit stop strategy and people trying to grab the lead to get a bit of TV time. Scotty doesn't lead at all, and then he comes back in the second two-thirds of the season, puts together the championship run. You never, I'll, I'll give you your due right here, right now, every time you were on Midweek Motorsport, and I said, and, 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 you said, yeah, but don't forget about Scott Dixon. But don't forget about Scott. You never, I, I'm not sure you doubted him all the way through the year. Was there a moment when you thought, oh, he's out, he's, he's out of this, it's going to be between, you know, early part of the season, Rossi and Newgarth, and later on, other people. What, you know, how was your feelings with following Scott Dixon through the year? 
genuinely never gave up hope in Scott Dixon. <laughs> and, and part of that comes from being a small girl and cheering on Dario. And then when Dario left the sport, well, who do you cheer for? It's got to be his teammate, the guy that he believes most in, Scott Dixon. So I, like a lot of Canadian fans, sort of inherited Scott Dixon because I cheered for Dario for so long. And, and it's just sort of the thing that faith is repaid. He's such a hardworking genuine human being that you hear the interviews with him and he'll let the emotion come through a little bit if he's having a bad day he'll he'll let it be known but he also does it in a sense to let you know that he will never give up and you can't beat someone who refuses to stay down so scott dixon had a bad start to the year and then just sort of turned on the afterburners as everybody else was getting a bit fatigued mm. that's what scott dixon does so yeah. for him to come through and win his fifth championship to now be up on the all-time list with 43 wins in his IndyCar career and he's not done yet the, no. the reason I said I'm glad that Rossi didn't win the championship is because he's a young kid who who knows how many championships he's going to win but who knows how many that he wants to win does he want to sort of prove it and then move on well with Scott Dixon he wants to keep winning he wants uh, to be the yeah. greatest yeah and he's catching up to Foyt yeah Good point, good point. Uh, top five in the championship, dominated by Chip Ganassi, Andretti and Team Penske. So, Jeremy, who would be your team of the year? Is it one of the big three, or have you gone outside of the super teams? No, I think oh, it's a tricky one, really. Um, gosh, I would say... Uh, Dale Coyne did a good year. job. Oh, I did a great job. No, it's, I think it's got to be still Team Penske, to be honest. Mm. They, um, you know, they, they were streets ahead of most of the of all the other Chevy teams. There weren't that many Chevy teams this year, actually. But uh, the, I, I think uh, Team Penske. Yeah, sure. because, because because they made they made the most of what they what they had. Hard. They were they generally got the strategies right. Having said that, uh, uh, they didn't several times with with uh, a couple of their drivers. But if they had had. Uh, a, a bit less, um, a few, few, little fewer problems. They would have probably won the championship either with New Garden or Power. Sure. Any any argument with that, or do you go somewhere else? No, no, no. I'm I'm completely in accordance with Jeremy. There, six out of seventeen of the races were won by Team Penske, and they had Power, New Garden, and Pagano, all three of their full season drivers in the top six of points. So it's really hard to argue that they were doing anything wrong except for winning the driver's championship, yeah. but they did get another 500. And for a year where Roger Penske won the NASCAR championship, <laughs> the supercars championship, the Brickyard 400, the Indianapolis Grand Prix and the Indy 500. It's kind of hard to look at any other team. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a bad year, is it? And I, I did feel a little bit for Chip Ganassi who clocked up. What was it? 200 wins at uh, when the cars Daytona. went across the lines at Daytona and then at Sonoma yeah. at the end of the IndyCar series. Roger Penske, was it 400 or 500? I honestly can't 500, remember. I it think was 500, it was 500, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> extraordinary. What a, what a season they've had. Uh, driver of the year, Shea Adam, you first. Is it the champion or do you look elsewhere? I would go with Joseph Newgarden. Oh, really? Be because of exactly what Jeremy was saying earlier, the numbers were all on his side. And in every single race this year, Joseph Newgarden was talked about. He was a storyline. And you can't say that of Scott Dixon. You can't say that of Alexander Rossi. Mm -hmm. But Joseph Newgarden was 
always competitive. All right. Well, I like that. I like the way you've looked at it. Jeremy, <clears throat> uh, defending champion, he he won the stats, except the big one, of course, in terms of taking over the big cho- taking home the big trophy uh, and the big check. Uh, is it Scott Dixon for you, or do you look elsewhere as well for your driver of the year? No, uh, for the same reason as Shay said, I'm going to go for Will Power actually, uh, because oh. he won that, because he won the Indy 500, because he, it was so. Well, you know, like he, it. He, that that was coming to him, and uh, yeah, without those DNFs. Uh, he, he he was able to uh, to pull himself off the uh, off the bottom of the uh, bottom of the pit in terms of his uh, mentality there and come back come back strong and you know, ended up third third in the in the points in the end season. But I tell you what, the whole quality in that IndyCar field really is superb right now, uh, and uh, the, the competition is intense. Um, and but the thing about it is anybody can run up front. Just love it. I enjoyed the whole season. Clearly, Jeremy Shaw and Shad are my guests. Uh, on this review of the Verizon IndyCar Series 2018 did as well. Thank you for joining it. We'll keep an eye, more than just an eye, uh, on the season 2019 throughout the year with Midweek Motorsport. Jeremy Shaw dropping back in to talk about it throughout the season along with Shea as well. Thank you for being with us for this very special programme as we look back on the Verizon IndyCar Series for 2018 across the Radio Show Limited network of channels. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.